Hey, it's Ryan. We're off today for President's Day, but we wanted to share an episode we made last year. It's about how TikTok became the world's favorite app and ended up at the center of tensions between the U.S. and China. Here it is. One day in September 2020, Nathan Apodaca was driving to work at a potato warehouse in Idaho when his truck broke down. I was just driving. It broke down. I was like, okay, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it and call my mom. Works right there. You know, I could see it over the hill, you know, and everything like that. It was right over the interstate. Nathan realized he could still get to work by riding his skateboard. And before he took off, he decided to film himself and post it on TikTok. He opened the app and chose the song Dreams by Fleetwood Mac to play in the background. As he rode his skateboard down a hill, he took several big swigs from a bottle of Ocean Spray Cran Raspberry Juice and lip-synced into the camera. I didn't plan any of it. It was just so insane, and it was one take. I was just going so fast. I had, like, I think it was five or three minutes left to get to work. I just hurried up, went to work, punched in before I lost my bonus. You might remember this video because it went viral, supercharged by TikTok's powerful recommendation engine. After that... Everything went wild. Nathan's TikTok got millions of views, with celebrities and creators making their own versions, including the CEO of Ocean Spray and Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac. The video was so popular, it catapulted the song Dreams back onto the charts a full 43 years after it was released. Nathan had created a vibe, and that short video changed his life. I was homeless, you know what I mean, when this started and everything. I was living at Walmart and everything. And then, yeah, after the video hit, all my audience, my soldiers is what I call them, started sending me donations. That number got crazy insane. And so then I was, my next thing was to get an RV. After getting the RV, Nathan bought a house. These days, he's working as an actor. Last year, he was cast in the FX series Reservation Dogs. He says he hasn't had a shift at the potato warehouse in two years. It's been a crazy ride, and I'm loving it. Just as Nathan's ride has been fast, so too has TikTok's. The app is now five years old. So we decided to look back on how it became such a phenomenon with some of the people who rode the wave firsthand. TikTok has more than a billion users, but the app's future still looks uncertain. Because with success comes scrutiny of TikTok's powerful algorithm, its Chinese parent company, and what happens to the data the app collects. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. Coming up on the show, how TikTok became the world's favorite app. This 
episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. TikTok is one of the most popular apps in the United States, but it took a lot of work to get there. The story starts in 2014 with the launch of another app called Musical.ly. There's a new video app that has teens singing its praises. It's called Musical.ly, where users, or musers as they're called, record 15-second music videos of their favorite song, then edit the speed of the video, add filters, and even play the video backwards before sharing it with others. Musical.ly was fun, and kids loved using it to upload videos of themselves lip-syncing over music or comedy clips. I had heard about Musical.ly from friends at school, and I was 13 at that time. This is Lauren Gray. When she was 13, in middle school in Pennsylvania, she started making short videos of herself lip-syncing to rap and pop hits. The videos found an audience on Musical.ly and turned her into one of the app's biggest stars. I did a lot of facial expressions. It was very animated, and I had a lot of fun with it. There really was no... (laughs) planning or process. It was just doing whatever I wanted to do in that moment. (laughs) Lauren might have been goofing around, but Musical.ly's popularity with teens like her caught the attention of a big Chinese technology company, ByteDance. ByteDance wanted a slice of the U.S. market, and they saw Musical.ly as their way to get it. So in 2017, ByteDance approached Musical.ly and offered to buy it. James Veraldi was the head of product strategy at Musical.ly at the time. We discussed it and just all felt that like this was the best decision, given that there's a high degree of risk being independent in this space because, you know, y- trends can, can change pretty quickly. ByteDance bought Musical.ly for nearly $1 billion. James says he was happy about the acquisition, but he had some reservations about the app's name. I mean, I know I was a little concerned that TikTok sounded a little young, you know, like how kids learn how to clockworks. I was so oriented around trying to age up the app because we had been like, we had inherited that need at Musical.ly. And so I was a little resistant to the name TikTok for that reason. Obviously, I was wrong. He might not have liked the name, but James liked what ByteDance had developed, a powerful algorithm which would turn TikTok into a success story the secret sauce known as the For You feed. The For You feed is the heart of TikTok. It's the first thing you see when you open the app. And it's where you watch whatever the app thinks you want to see. For me, at the moment, I'm getting a lot of home improvement and dog videos. To keep serving you what you want, the For You feed needs sustenance. And what it snacks on is data. The more data it gets, the smarter it gets. So when you download TikTok for the first time, it doesn't really know much about you. But then as you interact, it gets smarter. And it just takes a ton of engineering talent, of human talent to build that robustly. And you're talking in the thousands of engineers and ByteDance had that. 
TikTok's algorithm doesn't require users to follow anyone. People just open the app and it starts playing videos. It decides what you see next based on how long you've lingered on certain types of content. It makes it effortless to get to the content that you find most interesting. And the less effort you have to put into that, the more convenient, the more addictive, and the more success it's going to have. When Musical.ly relaunched as TikTok in the U.S. in 2018, it was an instant success. And it was helped along the way by some celebrity fans, like Jimmy Fallon. Guys, there's a really cool app that I've been, uh, I've been getting into lately called TikTok. Do you guys know that? And Reese Witherspoon. I'm obsessed with, like, what is TikTok? Everybody's talking about TikTok. All the teenagers are on TikTok. And then they come over to my house and they make the TikToks. And it turned unknown musicians into stars. Like the singer Lil Nas X, whose song Old Town Road became a viral sensation on the platform in 2019. And then, in 2020, the app got a boost. Because in the first few months of the COVID-19 pandemic, TikTok became the destination for bored quarantine shut-ins. This is when I really got into TikTok. I suddenly had a lot more time on my hands, and I got hooked on trying these weird challenges that went viral on the app which is how I found myself making a video of trying to slide an Oreo down a measuring tape. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Damn it. People also film themselves cooking. Hash browns are for wimps. You can do better. We're making a potato galette. It's French. They were singing. And there were people goofing around with their families. We're not perming his hair. He wants to perm his hair. Can respect the drift, Karen. I think the most interesting thing to me about TikTok was that, like, it didn't matter the type of house you had, your income, your background. Anyone, if, if they were entertaining and they were putting out content and saying something interesting, they could find an audience. This is Kristen Nino de Guzman, who worked at TikTok. Back in early 2020, she was responsible for managing some of the app's creators. The whole world in the creator economy was was changing because of TikTok. And you were seeing people in in their kitchen in Ohio, you know, becoming like superstars, signing to Hollywood agencies and being propelled to fame. And the most interesting thing about it to me was like all it really took was one video for a lot of these people to, to grow a following that prior to TikTok would have taken years and years on other platforms. My very first post got a million views within the first day. Khalil Green was one of the creators to enjoy instant fame on TikTok. He makes videos under the name The Gen Z Historian about American history and racial injustice. He has nearly 600,000 followers. So has anyone else noticed the intense amount of whitewashing that happens during MLK? My very first post on TikTok was about the whitewashing of Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy. It got over a million views, which I was surprised because I thought it was like a deep, academic, super insightful, but maybe not necessarily accessible conversation for the masses. But people really latched on to the short-form video essays that I was putting out, and really quickly I gained a huge following. Like the only quotes from him that you'll see in the mainstream or on social media are the ones that are super positive, super optimistic, and don't mention anything about race or class or any of the other things MLK commented on and fought for. 
TikTok has opened so many doors, whether it be book deals or uh, social media brand deals and podcasts and all of these more traditional forms of media that really blossomed from the TikTok platform that I built for myself. By 2020, TikTok wasn't just an app that hosted political content like Khalil's. It was also making mischief in American politics. That year, a group of TikTok users decided to prank the president. TikTok users may well be President Trump's latest adversary after fewer than 7,000 people attended his weekend campaign rally in Tulsa. The videos encouraged people to reserve tickets for the Trump rally, but not actually attend. The reservations made it look like it was going to be a huge event, but only a small fraction showed up. We spoke with a couple of TikTok kids who told us they successfully trolled the president. It didn't necessarily um, keep people out from going, but it made the numbers seem so big compared to what the actual show up was that it kind of was a success. (laughs) But this wouldn't be the only time TikTok got attention in Washington. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. As Americans were spending more and more of their time on TikTok in 2020, lawmakers in Washington were growing increasingly worried. The app that's taken teenagers by storm, now facing a storm of a different kind, accused of posing a possible security risk. Would you recommend that people download that app on their phones uh, tonight, tomorrow, anytime uh, currently? Only if you want your private information in the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. Politicians were concerned that ByteDance, TikTok's parent company, could be sharing Americans' data with the Chinese government. Here's Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer. There are 110 million Americans who have information with TikTok, and the Chinese government could be grabbing every one of them. And Republican Senator Josh Hawley. TikTok is currently a major security risk, both to our data security and to our national security. TikTok says it's never shared U.S. user data with the Chinese government and wouldn't even if it was asked. In July 2020, President Donald Trump intervened. We're looking at TikTok. We may be banning TikTok. We may be doing some other things. There are a couple of options, but a lot of things are happening. So we'll see what happens. But 
We are looking at a lot of alternatives. Trump issued an executive order and a deadline for ByteDance to sell TikTok to an American company. Two competitors emerged, software firm Oracle and Microsoft. The video sharing app TikTok has apparently reached a deal with Oracle to take over its U.S. operations. Microsoft confirming on Sunday that its offer had been rejected, leaving Oracle as the only remaining bidder. After Joe Biden was elected, he put the deal with Oracle on hold. TikTok says it's, quote, confident that we are on a path to reaching an agreement with the U.S. government that will satisfy all reasonable national security concerns. But there are some in Washington who aren't satisfied and still want to see TikTok banned. Well, I certainly wouldn't lose any sleep if TikTok, you know, didn't exist anymore. We spoke with Brendan Carr, one of the leading voices in Washington pushing for a ban of TikTok. Carr is a Trump appointee at the Federal Communications Commission. You know, right at the end of the last administration, there was a lot of concerns being raised about TikTok. There was a lot of people that were uh, very strongly for banning TikTok. And I actually didn't weigh in that much uh, on the issue when it arose at that point in time. Brendan might not have weighed in back then, but now he's clear about where he stands on TikTok. A lot of people say, well, that's just what it is. It's a fun video sharing app. And the reality is, is that's just the sheep's clothing. Uh, And beneath the surface, TikTok functions as a very sophisticated uh, surveillance tool. It is pulling everything from location information to search and browsing history. It discloses that it may be collecting biometrics, including face prints and voice prints. So there's a lot of interesting things there, including keystroke patterns. The decision to ban TikTok, though, isn't up to Carr. But he's met with officials from TikTok to raise his concerns. And he says he wasn't satisfied with their answers. And I asked them point blank, you know, if this data is being accessed from personnel located inside China, how can you be sure that it's not being stored, that's not being cached or locally saved or screenshotted? They didn't really have an answer to that. Similarly, I asked them, you know, they make representations that they do not hand over private, sensitive information on U.S. users to the government of China. And I asked them, how do you know that your employees, your personnel back in China are not themselves members of the Communist Party of China? And they said they aren't keeping track of, you know, who is a member, who is not. And so, frankly, you know, look, the level of trust at this point that I have in TikTok is about zero. TikTok confirmed that company officials met with Carr, but said his statements contained factual inaccuracies. In February, the Chinese embassy in Washington said the U.S. shouldn't, quote, overstretch the concept of national security. Earlier this year, TikTok announced that 100% of U.S. user traffic is now routed through servers owned by the American company Oracle. People aren't only concerned about TikTok because the Chinese government might be accessing the data it collects. There are also concerns about how addictive the app can be. A recent Pew survey found that nearly a fifth of all teens say they're on TikTok almost constantly. The app's addictive qualities are something that former TikTok employee Kristen Nino de Guzman has noticed in her own life. I don't find myself ever watching TV. I think my attention span has gotten a lot shorter because, like, it's so hard for me to even, you know, watch a 30-minute show. Like, I'm like, oh, let me check my phone or let me me look this up. So... It, it is addicting by by nature to be on the app, but there's always going to be, like, good things and bad things about social media. And I think, like, you know, 
it's kind of up to everyone, I mean, to make sure that they're setting their own limitations. And like TikTok has like implemented, you know, screen time. And if you scroll through the app for too long, you'll see like someone saying, hey, it's time to put the phone down. Like we've been on here for a long time. But James Veraldi, the former Musical.ly employee, has concerns about the impact TikTok might be having on young users. Just think about what it does to a developing brain in terms of training your mind to need stimulation every 15 seconds, right? And so you need something new. That part is really problematic. That's not unique. I don't want to say that's not TikTok's fault, but that element we should all be worried about. TikTok says it takes a thoughtful approach to help it, quote, continue to play a positive role in the lives of the people who use our app. TikTok has had a meteoric rise in just five years. But what could the next five years look like for the app that's taken over the world? Unless TikTok is suddenly banned in the United States, people like James Veraldi don't see his popularity fading anytime soon. There's no reason to think it's going to stop dominating people's attention because it's just so good at it and it keeps getting better. Like the more videos and the more people interact with it, the smarter it gets. So, you know, and, unless regulation comes in and has an impact, like I don't, I don't see TikTok's momentum slowing down. And for users that have had success on the app, like Nathan Apodaca, whose life has been changed by his viral skateboarding, juice-drinking moment, there's little doubt that the app will continue to play a bigger and bigger role in our lives. I heard somebody say that they were at their dinner, at their family's dinner, watching TikToks on TV, and they were watching just me counting this over and over and over. So like I said, it's becoming a new entertainment, you know what I mean, for some people. And it's just cool because it's real people and it's real stuff and real happenings and real real life facts, you know? It's just awesome. This episode was originally published in November of 2022. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to the WSJ reporters who conducted interviews for this episode. Salvador Rodriguez, Megan Bobrowski, Georgia Wells, and Sarah Needleman. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. Thanks for listening. See you then.